If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with MyBookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hour number two, Jeff Cameron Show. Thanks for tuning to it. I'm Jeff. That's Tom Rick Matthew directing from the house. You're you, and you're listening to us. We appreciate it. Good Monday, everybody. What a way to start the day. Ran long there at the end of last hour. Sorry for the excessive uh, commercial break there, but that's on me. That We had so much we had to tackle, so much to talk about during that stretch. Um, I wanted to get it in there, and and uh, we were able to do so because uh, if you're just hopping in the car listening on 93.3 or you just joined us on Warchant TV, as always, a reminder to like and subscribe and make sure your house is in order for football season. Make sure you're locked in. You get the Warchant app. It's really one-stop shop. Get that Warchant app and make sure you're subscribed to the uh, Warchant podcast network where you get the Jeff Cameron show and you get Wake Up Warchant and you get Seminole Headlines, all that good stuff. Um, but last hour, uh, we you know, were able to come on the air right as it was happening. And uh, very, very cool. We had Michael Langston on. Uh, recruiting analyst for Warchan, of course, and uh, Florida State got themselves a stud in the world of recruiting on the offensive line, and uh, that's exciting news because Lucas Simmons, at six foot seven, three hundred pounds, All right, that's a big was sought after by the biggest players in the game, and by that I mean those with big time NIL efforts and uh, movers and shakers. Across college football, he was pursued by the University of Florida, Ohio State, Auburn, Alabama, Southern Cal, Oklahoma, etc., and Florida State got him. That's a big deal. At a Clearwater Academy down there, uh, not normally a school we reference or that, uh, frankly, I've even heard of, Clearwater Academy. Yeah. But uh, I don't care where he's from. Uh, by way of Sweden originally and then Clearwater, he is, yeah. uh, he is in Tal- he'll is he be in Tallahassee is where he'll be. It's Clearwater International Academy. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> I, I lived down there for a long, long Never time. Never heard of it. Nope. No. But whoever it is, I'm thankful because yeah. whatever wheels in motion needed to be, there they were, and Atkins was able to close it. Well, 
Alex Atkins is a rock star on this staff. He's a great coach. So not only from a strategy standpoint um, does he have the goods, he's also a guy who builds and connects uh, and, and finds a way to work relationships into yeses. He gets firm commitments, and that's exciting because not everybody on this staff has done that. And it's been very important that Alex Atkins do it and carry the day for the Knowles. Now, this is an athletic, agile, big man that can bend. Good feet. He finishes his blocks, as Michael was talking about. He's a guy that will hurt you. And uh, I, you know, I, I have said all along that most of the time when we get yeses from players that are not in the trenches, uh, I'm kind of lukewarm on that. I'm not saying that I ignore. Um, I'm not saying that I ignore that, uh, but I get more excited, uh, of course, uh, about the fact that. Um, they're changing what it means in the trenches for Florida State, and that changes everything. That changes everything about what's possible. All of a sudden, all those other players become interested because you can block. Now, all of a sudden, I'm a quarterback, I'm a running back, I'm a wide receiver. There's a chance I'm going to be able to make some plays because they're going to block. None of that had mattered <laughs> previous, right? Like You weren't looking at us because Florida State couldn't block it up. Yeah, and consider that for fall camp, there are going to be 10 new bodies mm -hmm. in the offensive line room for this fall versus last football season. I know a couple of them were on campus, actually quite a few, on spring camp. But you threw five transfers and five high school players that are high quality at the problem. So you've got short-term yeah. answers. Yeah. And it's not where we want to be. It's not ideal, uh, but it's closer. And then you've got some long-term answers with that 22 class, which we like. Now you've got two bell cows of offensive line commitments for the 23 class. I mean, really, it the room is flipping before our very eyes. Oh, we'll just man. see what the transfers look like when we get to fall camp in, in not too long. It's just a couple weeks from now, about we, yeah. 15 days. Yeah, well, we've been waiting uh, patiently, very patiently, for this to flip offensively on the offensive line. And, you know, again, if you are, if you are winning those battles over a Tennessee who's had an impact because of the NIL, and a new coaching staff. If you're winning those battles, say, over Southern Cal, who you know is throwing money at their problem big time, well, it means that your collective, your NIL group, your rising spear is doing a good job. Such a great name. <laughs> it is. Can we just remark on that uh, for a it, moment? It is a great what name. What a name. Yes. So uh, that's where we're at. Now, those are the immediate dividends in the world of recruiting. That is something that's going to help Florida State in the very near future. Long-term is where the collective uh, minds are that love the game of college football. Long-term, big picture, has a lot of Florida State fans, of course, worried. And sure, I think uh, every year that goes by in which you're being uh, – outgained in the in terms of financials um yeah yeah it, it, it's not good it's even more to overcome when you finally do get the call and invariably Florida State will inevitably Florida State will um that's why we want to see what does Notre Dame do what happens uh if that if, if Notre Dame leaves and by the way again <laughs> I brought this up last week Tom you were on vacation but I talked about the fact that there is, and, and people tend to forget about this, but do you remember during the COVID season where Notre Dame was looking for a place to play? <laughs> and the ACC said, come on down. 
You play with us in the league this year. Uh, you're all good. And people got excited about that because of what it would mean financially and the ratings and all that. But remember, what kind of went overlooked in that was that the ACC invited him in because, of course, in the non-football sports they were already in. But they said, well, here's the deal. We'll do that for you so that you have a schedule. But you must join the ACC in football if you decide to join a league. And there's a contract that says you have to do that. And I think it's eight years. I looked it up today. That contract is still in place. They can't just go to another league. Now, they can, right. but there's going to be a sizable check to be written if that is to happen, and it would be in violation. So, look, Notre Dame's not in a hurry, but if they're going to join any league, they, they're contractually obligated to join the ACC. Right, so the question is, if they decided to not allow, just say, no, no, that might be written in a contract, we'll settle it in court, no problem, whatever the payment needs to be, it needs to be, but we're going to the Big Ten. Yeah. Is that grounds for undoing the, the grant of the rights of for rights. everybody else? There's an argument that it's not. I'm sure there is. There's an argument There's, that it is. There is an argument <laughs> that it is. And, and that argument might, in and of itself, reduce the fee you need to pay, which is what we're trying to do. We're trying to whittle it down. Yeah, but the question is one of time. How quickly can that happen? Right. Because nobody wants to sit around till 2036 waiting on this stupid-ass contract to end. Right. And this is something that's important. Last night on Sunday Smash, Ira was going through the numbers, and, and the exit fee for a university in the ACC right now is somewhere between $100 million and $120 million. On its face, you say, where do we sign? Because if you're going to be making close to $100 million a year in a different conference, then that sounds like nothing. But that is in addition to the grant of media rights. It is not solely a flat fee of 120 mil gets you out of the door. That's only where we begin, and so that's where the trouble is. It's three times the annual revenue uh, that you get from the ACC. So that would stand a reason, right? Three times, yeah, 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 right. well, yeah, 100 million, 120 yeah. million, 118 yeah, somewhere, yeah, somewhere in there. Yeah. Okay, that that's what it is. In addition to the GOR, addi- which, yes, which is where you're screwed, right? So you would because if it was just hundred million dollars, done, uh, yeah, done, done. But what you need is that the two primary movers and shakers here. Everybody, I think, incorrectly says the Big Ten and the SEC. No, it's really Fox and ESPN. <laughs> That's what this is. So ESPN has sunk a ton of money into the ACC. They built the network. The reason we signed the GOR to begin with was so that they would build the network that they built for the SEC. We wanted that. They said, we're not building a damn thing until you can promise me that Florida State, Clemson, Miami, Virginia Tech, and others aren't going to ride off into the sunset the second we start on the project. So in order to show them the commitment collective, well, they were able to convince university presidents and athletic directors to sign away their grant of rights till. At that time, I think it was 2027, then they extended it. What the hell they extended it for, I have no idea, but they did. Um, Both legs of those agreements, when the fax final one came in or the scan document, I'm sure the folks in Bristol are just laughing, like, unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. I can't believe these guys. So the ability to anticipate is power. You have to be able to anticipate. If not, all you do is react. And if you're reacting, you have no power. Florida State, the ACC, 
are in a position to have to react because of incompetent leadership for, well, the better part of the last 20-something years. So now you wonder where Jim Phillips' head's at because what can he do? He inherited a nightmare for his league, but I'm sure he has great interest in having that league survive, and the only chance he has is that it is an asset. It is. It's less of one, but it is an asset to ESPN. ESPN is not just going to allow that asset to dissolve. They want to get their money back. They want their money. So there are assets in this league. I just wonder how ESPN will focus on the the ACC, if at all. Will Will they look down the line and say, this is a league destined to dissolve. We'll let's expedite the process. Let's just get the right. co- the teams that we can control out of that league that are going to help us for the future television contract of the SEC. Right. Yes. We're not going to let them go to the big. Right. So that's the thing. Right. We have the door. They can only walk through this door. Right. They cannot walk over to Fox and the Big Ten. No. They can only walk through the door we to us them. and the SEC. That's right. Well, that. Yeah. See, and this is why ESPN is fighting like hell, allegedly, from what I've been told to get Notre Dame to join the ACC. It's the only chance the ACC has to survive and for ESPN to have an asset worth... Yeah, well, I mean, I would think that they have recourse enough, whatever penalties they'd have to pay, that if Notre Dame joined the ACC in football, they could just move them <laughs> straight through. You know, it's like, all right, skip this line. You got your fast pass yeah. to the SEC. Because they know that they're going to be on their network henceforth. The problem as a Florida State fan right now is very simple. We're not the first ones at the door. Somebody else has to walk through the door in order for us to get where we want to go, and that sucks. Well, yeah, you're not in control because, again, you didn't anticipate you're now reacting. But it's Notre Dame, and it might be North Carolina next, which is crazy, Could but be. that's the thing. It's Could just be. It, We're not the first ones there that they're going to pick because North Carolina offers things that we cannot but once, to both TV networks. Right, but once you get past Notre Dame, the rest of the teams that you're going to mention, whether it's North Carolina, I've heard Georgia Tech because of Atlanta, Miami because of the market in Miami, Clemson, you, whomever you want to name, that is wild speculation. Nobody knows for certain what that second team looks like and who it is and, and how quickly it would happen. What we do know is that Notre Dame is the only team that matters right now. That's it. Now, you could say that's not true, Jeff. What if the Big Ten then adds Oregon and Washington? Which they might. They might. They, they might be proactive. They may decide, no, we're going to continue to kick it and in right. the SEC's face, and we're going to go ahead and grab these two markets. You get the Seattle market, whatever. It's more about brands, but anyhow, so well, you grab also, Oregon. You know. Yeah, you, you have regional rivalries right, there. within. Right. So you can put a division together if you yes. want to put like a four-team. There you go, Oregon, Washington, and the two California teams. There it is. Exactly. You could. So maybe they're proactive. Well, if they're proactive and we're – and again, if this is expedited, which is what we want. We, every time one of these moves happens, smile. Smile. It moves us that much closer, in my opinion, to this being resolved in a timely fashion. Yeah, I want to hear. I want to wake up every day and hear about another team leaving. I want to hear that Oregon has joined the Big Ten. I want to hear that Washington has joined the Big Ten, and then I want to hear that the SEC is like, "Well, screw this. We're going to grab." Yeah, let's go. Let's just get there. The problem is for Notre Dame, from their perspective, they're like the person who has an awesome job and is just getting offers left and right. Yeah, to they other don't places. have to leave anywhere. Right. And you feel that in the interview room. Somebody who needs the job <laughs> yes, and yeah. somebody who, I could do the job, Yeah, but I'm not sure it works for me. Very different how those two interviews go. 
And that's where Notre Dame is right now in the good spot. Yeah, the deal with NBC expires in 2025. They're on the cusp of what most people believe would be a very lucrative mega deal. Yeah. They don't have to, you know, they don't have to make a decision here. So Swarbrick's not going to make a decision. Right. And NBC, NBC's not even going to throw their hat in the ring, I wouldn't think. No, so what you have to ha- hope for here. Drew Brees was doing analysis for those games last year. That tells you how much they care about Notre Dame football on NBC. But the thing is, man, you have to hope that the major powers that be decide to exclude Notre Dame from any potential playoff if they're not part of one of these mega conferences. So if they basically lay out a future and tell Notre Dame, well, that's great, you value your independence and you've held on to it. I was going to use a crude analogy, but you've held on to it forever. Great. Now it's time, or else you're not going to play big boy football. You're not going to be in the playoff. You have no passage to the playoff. Where we're headed, you're not invited unless you join one of these leagues. Yeah, the problem is ESPN, which controls the playoff, doesn't want to do that. They do, that would be behind closed doors. That would yeah. never be a public statement. There's a lot of behind closed doors right now. Oh, my God. I was, we were talking imagine? about that. How many burners would you have? Like, would you have, <laughs> like, colored burners for, so the schools can keep league, them straight? Like, if you're offered. Yeah. You've got to have burners because it can't go on the state records of a phone log. Mm. You, you don't want that happening right now. Or an email chain, certainly not. So you got to have these burners. It's orange for Clemson. It's a different shade of orange for Miami, <laughs> and you green know, green for Miami. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Because you got all these hypothetical conversations. These ads could write a book, and I would read it in a second. And when they this might is all when over. this is all over. I mean, they did that. I mean, there've been big books on you know ESPN and on Saturday Night Live and the like. It's it's crazy to hear about what happens behind the scenes with agents and directors and producers. I would think also if you're the athletic directors and you're you're an athletic director at a school that benefits greatly from leaving this conference, say Clemson, say Florida State, say Miami, say North Carolina, whatever it might be, right? Those conversations, what you're trying to build is a majority. You would like to get to nine, eight, nine, ten teams that say, this is untenable. We want out. This is not going to work. Like, there's power in numbers of going to the ACC and saying, yeah, uh, yeah it's not willy-nilly. It's not just that one of us wants to leave. The majority of us think this conference is dead in the water. Yeah, now picture the W in Charlotte in about 10 days. <laughs> I, I mean, just think yeah. about the energy that is going to be in that ballroom, uh, in the grand foyer. I'm reminded, I'm reminded of the Spider-Man meme because I'm just picturing Clemson, Florida State, Miami, Virginia Tech, and others going, Right. <laughs> like, can we go? Can we go? Well, I, I would imagine that this is also, yeah, like you're the three people or four people yeah. at the party that no, are like, just, all right, yeah, yeah. let's go to the real party. Let's go. Like, we yeah. did our nice thing. This is very yeah, kind. Let's, let's, we're all meeting over here. It's 630. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. No, from across the room, yeah. Florida State is getting a drink. They look over at Clemson. Clemson touches the watch, mm-hmm. and everybody nods. Yeah. They got the deal. Yeah. North Carolina's like, they saw it, no. and they're like, hey, thanks so much for the invite. And it was great. Yeah, all Had of a sudden, great time. Like, all right, And then minutes. Virginia, who doesn't know where it's going to happen, wants to be part of the in-group. They're like, oh, hey, I was just headed that way. No, no, no. No, you yeah. weren't. No, you weren't. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. 
Priceline. You know, I, I have to admit to there being a uh, fairly limited, obviously, I want what's best for Florida State long-term. I want what's best financially for the university that gives its uh, athletic departments the best chance to compete at the highest levels for championships. Everybody wants that. Um, but in terms of the larger discussion, by the way, Irish Chappelle is set to join us here in about five minutes, uh, maybe a little, little less. Uh you know, when you play the game, and we do this every time, the pieces of the puzzle get kind of shaken and you're wondering where they, you know, trying to find a place to, uh, to, to put them back. Um, it's fun because it involves entities that we're all, that we all have an opinion about. We all, you know, share in the soap opera of college football. And these are direction, these are directorial decisions. You know, okay, well, what are we doing here? What, what, what would make this scene look best, right? When you play the game and, and you get stuck in the, well, what's going to happen with the GOR and can any of those teams leave and we're all waiting on Notre Dame. So the wild scenarios become, well, what if nothing happens, nothing's going to happen in the next four years? What's tenable? Well, when you play that game, you do the bi-coastal ACC Pac-12 joint effort. It does get fun. It would be kind of cool to go play at Austin. It would be awfully nice if you could have a Pacific division and an Atlantic division and the winners of those two come out and play each other, say, in the ACC championship or whatever it would be called, uh, in Las Vegas. Great. Yeah, I'm down with that. Let's go. And they are on the West Coast. I don't know. Stanford, Oregon, Washington, Oregon State, Cal, and I don't know, name whoever else you want, Washington State, I don't know. Right. Uh, and then in the ACC, you kick some of these teams to the curb that have offered you nothing. So you tell Boston College and Syracuse and others, uh, get the hell out of here. Go back to the Big East or figure out something, but you're not going to be here. So then it's North Carolina, Florida State, NC State, Clemson, Miami, Virginia Tech. You know, so now you've got this group or whatever you want it to be. Say it's 8 to 10 teams and 8 to 10 over there, and we – we, you know, you could largely play regionally, but you would have a cross division matchup. Oh yeah, well, every year, yeah, at least yeah, one. Yeah, and so yeah, at least one, right? So all of a sudden, you are talking about games against Washington in Seattle and Oregon at Austin, and, right? You know, that well, could and, be fun. And you could kick off in every window twelve, three, thirty, eight, and ten. Yeah, so you kick off at, at all windows. That would be interesting. But the thing is, you'd have to be told no by the SEC. Multiple schools would have to be told no. And the reason I say that is there's a threshold, apparently, mm -hmm. with the grant of rights that if more teams are admitted to the ACC or whatever you want to call this future It would thing, shake it up that you could leave. Yep. Yep. Sure could. Yeah. So that's why they don't want to use, like, uh, they don't want to merge conferences per right, se. Right, because now it renders. Because now you can go. You just go wherever you want. Yeah. Well, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. <laughs> hey, Jim, that's a great idea. Let's Do invite it. Make these Make it happen. In. Sure, sure. The second that the ink is uh, dried, you're like, yeah, and we're gone. We're out of here. Thanks for blowing up the Grana rights. Our own Irashafel, warchant.com. Going to join us right now, as he's wont to do on Mondays. Today's a good one, Ira. We get uh, the news that uh, Lucas Simmons is going to be a knoll. And you know, every time you and I talk, um, and, and really all Florida State fans talk, I think we uh, realize that uh, Alex Adkins is um, worth his weight in gold, buddy. He is, he is doing some things. 
Yeah, man, he is uh, obviously killing it in recruiting. Florida State has, uh, you know, since I wrote the other day that since uh, Alex Atkins got to Florida State, uh, it's really been uh, just a complete evolution of that offensive line room. But particularly in the last year, uh, you know, they signed six high school recruits, uh, very talented, impressive guys. And then you add in four transfers that he's got to come in. And then now in the last couple of weeks, they've gotten two four-star commitments for next year. Um, so really, there's nothing you could say other than, you know, Alex Atkins is just killing it for Florida State. Yeah, and this was uh, not just a, a position that raises an eyebrow for us, but it's one that Florida State has been searching for for some time to find some talent that really, I think, is identifiable solely as a tackle. And you've got a guy that at 6'7", 300 pounds, that can move and can bend, He and he is long. He is a quintessential tackle. And if you're starting to get yeses in the trenches, it changes the likelihood that you could get changes uh, and yeses, I should say, at the skill positions too. Because now a running back could look at Florida State's offensive line situation and say, that projects well. Yeah, man. And, and I mean, going back to, again, it's the most recent successful uh, you know, period of time. So we'll go back to Jimbo Fisher. Uh, but I remember talking to him when he took over. Uh, as Florida State's head coach, and even towards the end of Coach Bowden's tenure when Jimbo was taking over recruiting, and he would talk about those signing classes Florida State had in the late 2000s, where sometimes they would still be highly rated recruiting classes, but the problem was they were all skill position guys. And Jimbo's point was, man, you know, you can find skill position guys Correct. that are going to be pretty highly rated at most schools uh, around the country, but, but if you're going to compete – with the best of the best, you're going to compete with SEC-type schools. It's all about the trenches. And so now Florida State's doing that. And really, you know, I think for the most part, you know, early on in Alex Atkins' tenure, we've been impressed by his ability to develop some players, uh, some guys who are not highly recruited uh, necessarily. You know, I don't think uh, Darius Washington wasn't a blue-chip recruit. They've, he's recruited uh, – he has um, developed him well. Robert Scott, I think, has developed well. He's done nice things with the pieces he has, but now – the end of that last recruiting class, we get Julian Armella, who at one point was a five-star, ends up a four-star recruit. Um, you know, Jalen Early, Kayshawn Sapp. I mean, those are big-time offensive linemen. Then you and you continue it now with Roger Kearney and uh, Lucas Simmons. You've got a bunch of now. You're not just developing three-star guys. You're bringing in the four-star guys that should be much easier to develop and have a much higher upside. So. You know, it's just a really impressive uh, for for Florida State. Yeah, and there's word that there's a couple more coming. So it's uh, I directed everybody to Warchant.com to uh, continue to follow. Obviously, the articles being written uh, every week uh, and really seemingly every day these days with Michael Langston giving us the latest on some big names that are out there. And I think if you go back to Ira, uh, I brought this up with Michael last hour on the heels of of Keldrick Falk and and Roderick Kearney, uh, and now you get Lucas Simmons. So this is these are three wins right off the bat with four-star kids, and we're still waiting on a couple of others, the Smothers kid, Nicholson, Glenn, the quarterback, Gatson, the defense. This is um, – it, it's picking up because there was a feeling that this was an area of real concern with this coaching staff, and understandably, but they're getting some wins at a very – big time, big moment where they can kind of close this thing out and go into a season with some momentum. They just have to start well on the season. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think that, you know, as you said, th those were ones that we, I think most people that follow recruiting felt good about all three of those guys being Florida state guys in the end. Uh, some of the guys you mentioned going forward might be a little bit more 50, 50, right, or maybe yeah. even uh, not as strong for Florida state. So th they may not get, maybe they only get one of those last remaining guys this month, but they might get one or two more. Um, but to your point, 
you know, the feeling I've gotten from Florida State staff over the last six months or so was they really felt like during the season was when they were really going to start kind of hitting it uh, full stride in terms of recruiting because they do feel like they're going to have a good season. They're very confident about what this season looks like, and they feel like they're in great position to where if they have that success on the field, win eight games somewhere in that ballpark, they're going to be able to flip or bring in more recruits in that class. And, and uh, you know, so it really could get going even more once the season starts. But ultimately, we all know it, it really hinges on what happens in this season. We have a little bit of time, but not much. So I'll ask you this. Uh, how odd is this ACC kickoff going to be for all of us? Uh, it's just a weird time. I was Tom and I were just talking about this. Like, everybody's going to be looking at each other like, what? Are you leaving? Are you leaving? When can we leave? Can, are we allowed to leave? Is this plane going to exist? Like when we're meeting in Charlotte three and four or five, are we meeting in Charlotte three and four or five years from now? I mean, what, and there's a lot of a lot of questions surrounding this conference. Right, right. And it does feel like, you know, over the last week or so, and we talked about it last time on the Sunday Smash, I'm sure you guys have talked about it as well. But, it, you know, it's it's the, the reality that the grant of rights is as binding as it is, has settled in for a lot of people. And I think we know that, Florida State can't just decide to leave. Yeah, now, well, they would have done that other, a long time ago. <laughs> right, but other things are going to kind of have to fall into place. So I, I feel like the, the ACC meetings will kind of feel like, all right, everybody feels like, okay, we kind of know we're all here for now, but does anybody really want to be here? And so it's like we're all stuck in a timeshare that nobody wants to be in. And so <laughs> we'll see how it goes. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think that part of it, though, at least I don't think there'll be the nervous anxiety where everybody's looking over their shoulder. Like Jim Phillips is looking to make sure is Mike Norvell still here? Yeah. Did the FSU people leave? Are they still, are they going to be at their press conference? I think there's at least a, a feeling that it's going to last a little bit longer, but yeah, man, I, you know, it, the one thing that's become very clear this time that was not clear in previous years of talk of expansion is that the vast majority of schools that have a place that might be interested in them are very interested in leaving. I think years past, there were still some schools that felt like, okay, maybe we just need to stay in the ACC. What is even fair to ask of Jim Phillips? Like, what can you, I mean, that guy has to give the State of the Union address of the ACC to start. You know how it is. Every year we go to this thing, every year you sit down in that huge ballroom and he gets, and at the time it was Swafford, but, you know, he gets up there at the yeah. podium and for years Swafford was never going to answer anything honestly or say anything that mattered. And we all just kind of rolled our eyes, and it was just sort of a function of things that we had to do while you were here. This will be the most anticipated commissioner speech that we've ever gone to, I think, just about. I think you're going to – we need to get a little ticker or like a ding for every time he says grant of rights yeah. and emphasizes <laughs> that all you some blanks yeah. are, are – You ain't are, going anywhere. Here. We know you <laughs> want a defect. I know you do, but you're not going anywhere. Yeah, well, he, he yeah, he's got to um, be looking over his shoulder. I think he'll – he, he may also master the art. One thing John Swafford was great at was the filibuster. You know, he's he, his his speech would his allotted time would be thirty minutes or forty minutes or whatever it was, and he would spend about fifteen minutes on his opening statement, then spend about three minutes on the first question or two just to stall and stall and stall and try to avoid answering the tougher questions. So maybe he might need to dust off Swafford's old playbook. The first two questions were always plants. Well, it's like, right. can you talk about the national championships that the ACC garnered this past calendar year? Oh, right. Yeah, that's what we wanted to know. We wanted to know about that lacrosse championship. That's it. Yeah, here we go. It was always that way. Thanks, brother. Be well. I'll talk to you later. Thanks. See you, man. Yeah, take care. All right, Chappelle, Warchant.com. Yeah, the, the first two questions were always like, 
the ACC won more championships in Olympic sports last year than any other league. Can you talk about the prolific winning that the Olympic sports have done in the ACC? Oh, that's a great question, John. I, I sure can. Appreciate you asking that. Oh, I bet you do. Uh, you got a list of them right there. You're going to tell us about that uh, beach volleyball championship or something, aren't you? And we're going to sit here for 20 minutes while you prattle on about the swimming championship that somebody won that nobody cares about yes well and sometimes now it's not even a plant like they'll have the director the mc of the event we'll just ask the first couple of questions yeah. they usually do that at the schools like you know all right so we'll get it started with me and then we'll uh, pass the microphone out yeah, there yeah, yeah. like that guy might just be there the whole time all right well, we'll get it started with me the microphone will be passed out yeah, around there yeah and everybody's like where's the all right uh, la la last one for jim uh, yeah oh i'm sorry we ran out of time everybody's like you s yeah jim can you can you talk about what it meant uh, to the member institutions to bring home a third straight diving championship this year? I, I can. Uh, I get emotional. Thank you. I appreciate that. It is uh, unprecedented what's going on in this conference with diving championships. Uh, you look around the great sport of diving through the years, and you've seen dominance here and there from the Big Ten and from the Pac-12, but the ACC's at a place now where I think we can all safely say, and I, and I will here today, we are the king or queen, if you will, of diving. And uh, it's, it's something we're proud of in the ACC, not unlike uh, lacrosse. And I know you were, you were about to ask me about lacrosse, so I'll just go into that. But, you know, when you look at the lacrosse championships year in and year out, uh, they don't always come easy. It's through a lot of hard work. Uh, they do a great job recruiting this league, North Carolina and Virginia, Wake Forest, Boston College. Uh, you know, a lot of schools have had a lot of success in lacrosse, as you well know. And you're just sitting there going, I can't believe we're listening to this. What is going on? Nobody. Guys. <laughs> well, and you know what? Maybe it's apropos we speak of royalty being in Charlotte, you know, the history of Charlotte and how it ties into <laughs> royalty. And um, <laughs> it's it's an amazing place. We're very fond of this city. They've been a great partner to the ACC for so many years. Yeah. Not just the staff here at the W, which is fantastic. I mean, folks, a little round of applause for, for the staff for the w. at the W. I mean, they, work here, they work very hard. They work very hard. Yeah. Yep. It's a hardworking city, Charlotte. It's Always the host of our football championship and has been since, well, about 15 years ago almost now. Well, and if I may, God willing, it will be for the next 10 years too. And I'll tell you what, we have a special relationship with Charlotte and a negotiation right now with Charlotte to extend. I want you all to be the first to hear this at the ACC kickoff to extend our championship run right here in the great city of Charlotte. So it doesn't look like it's going anywhere anytime soon. Right there, Bank of America. All right, folks, that's all for Commissioner <laughs> Phillips. It's been great, guys. I'm sorry I didn't get to everybody. I know you guys have some pressing questions. If you see me out and about, I'll be happy to answer any of those. Then you never see them again. Please grab a refreshment. <laughs> Boston College will be at the podium in 10 minutes. <laughs> the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, Determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. OrangeTheoryFitness.com <laughs> to market out there if you're interested in a home loan you want to get the best guidance imaginable and possible and that is with my man shannon 
My man Shen has got you, got you all wrapped up here. Legendary home loans is what you're looking at. Shannon, 844-FSU-LOAN, or you can look them up at FSUHomeLoans.com. Interesting time right now, but you people are still buying homes. And Shannon will take every opportunity to make that as easy as possible for you. Cutting-edge technology, transparent communication, this is all the stuff you want. You want a five-star mortgage experience, that's what you're going to get. Hamilton Home Loans, not the name any longer, so when you hear that shifted, it's just Legendary Home Loans. Same guy, same great service, Shannon, Legendary Home Loans. Good to know. The graphic will be updated as such. We have to update that. So there you go. Just want everybody to know that. It's update time for that graphic. Man, it was good to have an update to start the show, wasn't it? I feel like we can exhale. Like, today's been a busy show. I mean, I look up and it's, uh, you know, 45 after. I'm like, my goodness. Time has flown past today because of all the news, the weightiness, the meatiness of it all. Yeah, today's busyness level is a good simulation for a football Monday. It's not exactly the same, right. but it's uh, it's a nice little eighty percent. It's gonna be fun, man. This season, it's I mean, now you're here. It's the second week in July. You're basically here because camp yeah. starts in under two weeks. Yeah, it's it's yeah. When I got up this morning, I was like, this is where you enter into mid July, and so you know, basically this week is you enter into mid July, and once that happens, it's basically go time. And and that would be true even in a year where we didn't start this early, but because we're starting this early. It's expedited that process significantly. Yeah, that's the thing is, you know, you go to Charlotte and you go to the ACC kickoff and then there's a little mini lull before camp. And that's just not the case this year. You get back and it's going to be like the next day is Norvell's opening press conference. I'm, I'm just projecting. We don't have the exact date in front of us just yet, but that seems about right. If it's a Tuesday, Wednesday at the kickoff, probably Friday at lunch. I mean, I mean, and that's two Fridays away. That's crazy. Yeah. And he's in an interesting spot. I mean, um, Obviously, you're going to project strength, um, but but at the same time, I do always appreciate his candor. So I'm kind of curious, um, body language, decisiveness, and in, in the way that he speaks. Um, you know, Mike's always got a plan. He, he's not, he's nothing if not organized. Uh, but I also think he's he's fairly transparent. So. What a, what a what an interesting time for his program. He knows what kind of season this is, um, and for him, for his staff, for this university, for this program, the long term rebuild that we've been going through, and and then there's that of the conference. There's all of this. Uh, I'm kind of curious. He, I, I know this. He's probably tired of hugging Alex Atkins. I mean, every day he comes to work, he's going to be like, oh, Alex, another hug for you, buddy. Good job. Never get tired of hugging Alex Atkins at this point. Yeah. Hope he has a hug for him tomorrow for a new reason. Yeah, another another big name or something. That's Alex, a, did you call that five-star receiver I on your did, own? I did. I did. I got him. Mike, I got him. Don't worry about it. Well, how about that? Somebody's getting receivers around here. Somebody gets a hug. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, Mike, again, I, I it's my job. Uh, I'm tired of hugging. Oh, but we go above and beyond here, don't we, Alex? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait till you see that bump you get in December. So, you know, again, there's a lot going on with Florida State right now that indicates that the commitment is there. And there, I, I think Ira's got a piece coming out here real soon, again, about Florida State's effort to, let's get this, let's go. Let's, let's get this moving. Let's get this, um, let's show, for those that are curious, how dedicated to Florida State football's future we are by way of compensation for coaches, additions with analysts, NIL organization, identifying prospects, 
procuring commitments via NIL from said prospects. And then obviously there's the whole winning on the field yeah, thing. That, that's a small matter. <laughs> yeah, that's trivial at best. That's a fairly big one there. The the whole the whole winning. Uh, but I, I'm hoping. I mean, I think it's easy to get wrapped up this time of year as you get set to get started um, in the enthusiasm and a sense of of positive, you know, projection. I still think this team has real holes. I think it's a tough, tough schedule. I think things have to go right for them. Camp can't start soon enough for me because right now we've done the W's and L's and what what has to happen and what we want to happen and all that. I want to see these position battles because there's a ton of them, and that offensive line is going to be fascinating to watch. I mean, th- there's a depth of competition on the at the most important position on the field or segment group on the field that is, I think, going to really up the ante, and we're going to see that right from day one when they get into pads. So really not day one, but once pads right, go yeah. on, you're going to see that battle. There's upwards of a possible three starting jobs available on that offensive line that will be battled for. But the good news is pads is, what, three days in, something yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah, the yeah, first yeah. day is all the newcomers, so you get to go through that. Uh, the second day you also get to see some of the other newcomers, plus, man, who has done the work in the weight room this offseason. So by the time pads come on, you'll be ready. We'll be like, okay, that's fine. We've seen enough seven-on-sevens here. This dude has won a bunch of seven-on-sevens before, but let's, let's <laughs> put the shoulder pad More than shells, full pads. Uh, but that process begins. Two Mondays from now, we'll have some of those answers. Let's go. You want to do probables? We can do it right here? Sure can. Well, let's hit it. Let's make it happen. It's time for, how you say, with the pitching, uh, probables? Got a little a wager on some Pirates Marlins action this week. Buddy. Oh, here you go. Yeah. Well, hey. We finally won a series against the Brewers in Milwaukee. Split with the Yankees. Final scores don't matter. They account for one win. We lost a game 16 to nothing. Yeah. That was one win for the Yankees. I saw you put on your Instagram the uh, the Vogelbach home run. Woo. I was watching that live. Were you? Yeah. And uh, we were laughing, a couple of friends of mine. We said, he's Mr. Oktoberfest. <laughs> that's, oh, that's his nickname. Look way, at that dude. So Vogelbach, who hit home run yesterday to straightaway center, and our dear friend Rob was at the game from Metro Delhi. He was? He was in oh, Milwaukee boy. watching the game, and he texted me a picture of Simbado Plate. He saw Vogelback go yard at dead center. But Vogelback swings like it's 1927. Right. He, just he also looks like it's 1927, <laughs> an athlete from that time. That's uh, great. I love it. Detroit and Kansas City are in the third. They're tied at zero. It's Michael Pineda for the Tigers. The Royals are throwing Brad Keller. Pirates, Marlins, that starts today. I got it wrong. I thought it started tomorrow. We don't know who the hell we're going to throw tonight at 6.40, but Trevor Rogers is going to start for the Marlins, and if we're going to win a game, I think this would be the one because Trevor Rogers sucks. Red Sox, Rays. Brian Bello and Matt Whistler. White Sox, Guardians, Lance Lynn, Cal Quantrill. We got the Phillies and the Cardinals, Aaron Noah, Miles Mikulis. Yes. Oh, buddy, you should have some wagers going. Here we go. Let's get it on, Mets. Braves, 720 tonight. Two teams with almost the exact same record. Max Scherzer and Max Freed. Yep, it's Mad Max night. Gonna need Scherzer to pitch. Is this lineup is we're hurt right now. We're banged up again. So mm-hmm. they're catching us at a good time. Don't be making preemptive excuses. No, that's true. It's a reason <laughs> for concern. But we might still win the ball game. You could. It's baseball. You got a good pitcher on the hill. 
A's, Rangers, Adrian Martinez, Spencer Howard, Tigers, Royals, Alex Fado, and Daniel Lynch. Uh, Padres, Rockies, Sean Manaya and Jose Urena. D-backs, Giants tonight. Merrill Kelly seems like he's always on the hill for the D-backs. That's an irrelevant team. Boy, I'll tell you what, nobody gives a damn about the D-backs. Giants, Alex Cobb, and that is a look at those that shall reside on the bump. Hey, so this is the week. I'll be at busy. But it's awesome to uh, to think about what we have uh, this week with, uh, with the British with the Open. I should say the Open. At the old course, the home of golf, and one of the most unique, cool courses to ever. Well, it's, it is probably the coolest and most unique course in the world. And it is, I, when they play it at the old course, I put aside my anger about oh, the waves okay. of weather. Because the old course, you can be, you could be, so, and this is true. You can and you hear all the players say this, and I've done extensive reading on this because I have to for the Beyond the Tip show on SiriusXM. All the players talk about the millions of ways to attack a course, and it could be radically different on a Thursday than on a Friday than on a Saturday because you have so many different landing spots. You literally have holes that cross each other throughout. Shared greens, shared tee boxes. The whole thing. Yeah. But also – when you talk to people who've gone and played the old course, and I never have, but they'll they'll think they'll say things like, "Oh yeah, your caddy will will tell you off the tee to to aim at the corner of that you know building or whatever," and you're like, "What? Just trust me on this. With the way the wind's blowing today, you're going to want to land over here, and don't worry, the fairway is like 700 yards wide. You're going to land over there, and you have a straight shot of what we're looking at, and you can't see it from the tee. You're like, okay. So you watch two different players make two different, very different decisions." As to how to attack the hole that day, and they both could be right, both could be wrong, but they could be very, very. And that doesn't really, that doesn't. Have, Brian, you lucky son of a, um, have fun. Wow. Yeah, you should take a Damn. JCS shirt with you, Brian. Well done, man. A lot. That's awesome. Uh, but yeah. So I mean, it, that's that's fun because you're using imagination. You're using yeah. you're using you know obviously your smarts to get around the place. This one kind of hurts because this would have been my honeymoon. In a non-COVID situation, we would have been three days of golf in Scotland and then three days of the Open, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. Buddy. Yeah. All right, we got to put that aside. I, well, put I, that know. Aside. I know. Someday we'll go play at the old course, buddy. We Call will. it our, uh, our honeymoon. Yeah. yeah. It's our own. You and me. <laughs> would you like to go swimming? Good work out of you. Good work, everybody. Good work, Alex Atkins. Yeah. Director Matthew, thanks for hanging in there, buddy. And thanks to all of you guys. Be good. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace.